Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. We're continuing a series today called This Is That, and my hope through the series is to help you become comfortable with some things about Christianity that you might be uncomfortable with. But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth, who's up here on the front row. Here at No Limits, uh, we're on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God. We want to help people find freedom, and we want to help people discover purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the life that... God planned for you before you were even born. But it's a journey. You don't get there overnight, and you actually need people along that journey. That's why we get together every Sunday. That's why we get together throughout the week in our small groups. And the goal we're reaching for is actually found in Ephesians 3.20, which says, All glory to God, because he's able, through his mighty power working in us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So awesome. So that's the goal we're after. That's why we're called No Limits Church. So why don't you go ahead and look at whoever you're with right now and say, It's time to take limits off. Now, we talk a lot here at No Limits about getting closer to God, but I've realized that there's some roadblocks along the way. As you draw close to God, you're going to run into places where you kind of get stuck simply because you don't understand something about God, and actually, we all run into the same roadblocks. That's kind of good news, because then we can help each other, right? And in this series, we're breaking through all those areas so that you can get closer to God as a result. That's the goal here. Our theme verse from this series actually comes from a place where the church, as we know it today, was brand new. And people were making fun of it because they didn't understand it. They didn't understand what God was doing. And, you know, I think we actually got a little bit of a taste of that through this coronavirus stuff because the church is all of a sudden deemed non-essential because people don't understand what the church is about. So I think that's just a small taste of what the early church actually encountered. But in the early church, this is when the Holy Spirit was poured out shortly after Jesus ascended into heaven. And here's how people responded to that. Acts 2 Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. And maybe you've been here yourself, something out of the norm happened at church, or maybe something out of the norm with one of your Christian friends, they did something kind of weird, and you're like, what the heck is going on here? And the truth is, you're not alone in these thoughts, and I hope the scripture helps you realize that, and you're always going to criticize things that you don't understand. Just a natural human response, so don't feel bad about that. It's really not that you even believe, don't believe that God can do it. You just don't understand it, and it's easier to make fun of something than it is to dig in and try to understand it. But through this series, I'm going to help you, just like Peter did. He stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people, they're not drunk, as you'd suppose. Y'all, it's only nine in the morning. Who gets drunk at nine in the morning? But this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So this is not what you think. This is that, you know, that truth that you find in the word. And we've already talked about the Holy Spirit. We've already talked about prayer. And then last week, Beth and I talked to you guys about why we worship the way that we do. Why is it loud in here? Why do we sing songs? All that good stuff. If you missed any of those, you can go to our website and catch them, or you can just open your favorite podcasting app, search No Limits Church. You'll find us there too. But today I'm going to tackle an issue that Christians all over the world can't seem to agree on. Actually, just a few months ago, I was talking to someone who had never been to our church. He found out that I was a pastor, and guess what one of the, he was trying to figure out what our church was like, and guess what one of the questions was that he led with? Are you one of those pastors that teaches that God wants us to prosper? Seriously, his first, the first question out of his mouth. But, you know, I think we could all agree that the whole reason God would give us more than we need is so that we can be a blessing to those around us. Like, that makes sense to all of us. But how do you explain the scriptures that make it seem like it's a bad thing to have money? 
How do you explain the scriptures that make it seem holy to be poor? How do you explain that? Well, really, it all boils down to this. Prosperity God's way is not the same as culture's idea of prosperity. So if you struggle with the idea that God wants you to be prosperous, it's probably because you're trying to fit the world's definition of prosperity on God. And it's kind of like sticking a square peg into a round hole. You're like, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't work. So today I want to help you redefine prosperity. It's going to help you put money in the right place. And when you do that, you're actually going to experience prosperity God's way. I heard this story about one church that made an offer. If you give $1,000 today, we'll let you pick three hymns. So this old lady makes her way to the front. She drops her $1,000 in the offering bucket. And then she turns around to the congregation and points, I'll take him, and I'll take him, and I'll take him. I wanted to give you all a good laugh so we can kind of just release the weight that comes along with this subject of prosperity and money. Because I really just want to help you today, help, help you see money, money God's way, because it's going to bring you some freedom. I really believe that. So let's dig into this. This is actually an area where God has most anointed me to preach on for whatever reason. So I gotta, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm really stoked about what's going to happen today. But let's, talk, let's start by looking at the Hebrew word translated to prosper. Seleach. You got to put this little at the end of it. I have a hard time with that, but that's how you say it. And it means to push forward. In other words, you're like kind of out making progress, doing your own thing. And it's like the hand of God comes and it just like pushes you forward into something that you couldn't have done on your own. Making sense to everybody? And I've personally experienced this myself and like many times. And the thing that stands out to me the most is actually with my blog. I was writing every week, serving my online community for three years. And it was actually costing me money to do this. And then I finally got to a point where the blog earned enough to cover the expense of running a blog and also created a nice little side income. And then it's like God came and he pushed it forward. And the next year, it replaced Beth's full-time income. And since then, it's actually doubled. And it just continues to grow. God just keeps pushing it forward. And I believe this is coming for our church too, y'all. Like we've been all staying consistent, serving on Sundays, uh, building relationships in our small groups, consistent being generous. And we've made some good progress on our own. Y'all, we're making a difference in Mexico and the Philippines. We're doing some great things. But God is going to push this thing forward into something that we could have never do on our own. And I believe that. It's coming. We're going to look back on today and be like, wow, look where God brought us. Super awesome. So I bet your idea of prosperity is already starting to change just by looking at that original word, what prosperity means. And know this, God was not shy about using the word prosperity or prosper. Let me show you a few scriptures. Genesis 26 says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Man, that's a good return. And the Lord blessed him. Then the man began to prosper, and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. So God's not afraid of that word, is he? And here's another one for you. Proverbs 11.10 says, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. In other words, when the right people have the right things, the whole city benefits from it. How cool is that? And here's another one. Proverbs 11.25, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So now we're getting to the point of how God's idea of prosperity is a lot different than culture's idea of prosperity. Prosperity, God's way, it starts with generosity, and then prosperity follows. So generosity first, 
Then prosperity comes as a result. Culture teaches us you got to lie, you got to take advantage of others in order to prosper, to get that promotion. You got to do whatever it takes, even if it means taking down your coworker on the way there or leaving your family in the dust on the way there. That's culture's idea of prosperity. But no, that's not how it works in God's system. Start by become more, becoming more generous than you've ever been. And then God will know you're ready for prosperity because your mind is already set on helping others. And don't miss the second part of this verse. When you focus on refreshing others, you yourself will be refreshed. How cool is that? So you're not just going to have enough to keep you alive. You're not going to have to live this poor life. You're going to be refreshed. That means you can take time to sit on your back patio and drink an ice cold glass of lemonade. Right? God's going to provide that for you. Now, let me show you one more. Third John 1, 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So it's unfortunate that prosperity has become just about money because it's about so much more. Prosperity is about every area of your life. For example, you have more joy than those around you so that you can bring joy to those around you. You have an abundance of peace so that it overflows onto those around you, right? Prosperity is not a bad word whenever you understand it from a biblical perspective. So this is not what you thought it was. This is that. You know that truth that we find in the word about prosperity. So let me define it for you. Here's prosperity God's way, having more than I need so that I can make an eternal difference in the lives of others. So I say this all the time, but I'm going to say it again. Life on this earth is very, very short. Prosperity, I mean, eternity is very, very long. You won't live about 80 years here, and then you won't live forever in eternity And if we focus all of our energy on this earthly life, getting stuff, saving money, getting a bigger house, bigger car, whatever it is, we're going to be really disappointed with ourselves when we get to heaven. We're going to be like, I cannot believe that I put so much effort into that 80 years of life when now I have eternity ahead of me. But if we take good care of our family, that is something that we're supposed to do, and then we use all the extra, all our extra resources to make an eternal difference in the lives of others, we're going to get to heaven, and Jesus is going to give us the biggest hand clap that we've ever heard. Good job! My good and faithful servant. That's what he's going to say. Let me put it to you this way. God blesses us to be a blessing. We're not blessed so that we can have more things or so that we can stick our chest out as if God loves me more than you because I'm more blessed. No, we're blessed so that we can be of greater service to those around us. And by the way, if you're taking notes, this is where you start filling in those blanks on your message notes. And even if you don't have a sheet, you can just write those down on a blank piece of paper. Even if you've never taken notes before, this is a great Sunday to start because I don't know if you realize this, but you got to use money every day of your life. You can take this sheet home and just use it from now on. You can pass it on to your grandkids too. Yeah. All right. So here's how God explained prosperity to Abraham in Genesis 12 2. I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make you famous and you'll be a blessing to others. Did you know this is also God's desire for America? He made us into a great nation, and then we turn it over to the enemy by sitting on the sidelines while our government passed all these laws that are contrary to God's word. We're talking about legalizing same-sex marriage. You don't have to be in the Bible for long to figure out that we might as well tell God that his plan for marriage sucks, and ours is a whole lot better, so we're going to do it this way. And we're even talking about legalizing abortion. Right? We might as well tell God that his plan for creation is invalid, and we get to decide which human lives are necessary and which ones aren't. That's what we're really saying. Sounds ugly, doesn't it? And it's because it is ugly. But let me clarify something. God does not hate people who are struggling with their sexual identity. God does not hate women who have had an abortion. 
He hates the sin, and the reason he hates the sin is because it leads God's children into bondage. That's why he hates it, and that's why he wants to get rid of it. So God's taken America back. And whether we like him or not, President Trump is part of that plan. God gave us a president who cares nothing about the political agenda. He's not trying to impress anybody in Washington. He's just on mission to get America back to the way it started, because he believes in it. I'm not even sure that he knows why he's doing that, but it's the hand of God that's on his life, and it's making it happen. And yeah, he's got some ugly characteristics about him. Ain't no doubt about that, but God has this thing of using imperfect people. And we should be standing up and supporting our president because what good does it do to try to take the pilot down of the plane that we're on, right? It doesn't do us any good. So I want to prophesy to you guys. God's shaking America, shaking to wake us up. It's kind of like when you're driving down the highway and you veer off into the shoulder and you hit those little bumps. It wakes you up and then you jerk back onto the highway God is going to swiftly correct us back onto the path that he has for this nation. And we're going to feel a little whiplash whenever it happens. So I'm just warning you right now, but he's going to get us back to where he needs us because it's vital to the end times. It's coming. So God will once again make America a great nation because he ain't done with us yet. He's not done. He's going to bless us, but it's not for us. It's so that we can be a blessing to the other nations of the world. That's his purpose for America. So I hope you all heard that because... When things get a little rough over the next few months, you don't need to be discouraged. You don't need to be scared. You're just feeling that whiplash. God's getting us back on track. Let's take a minute right now to pray for America. God, we lift up America to you. We're grateful to live here. We're grateful that you've called us to this country. We lift up our president, and we ask you to refresh him. We ask you to give him wisdom. We ask you to give him strength, and we ask him, you to help him recognize the lies that are fed to him so that he only hears the truth. In Jesus' name, we thank you that you're bringing our country back to what you've called it to be. We're going to be a blessing to the nations of the world. We're going to be part of your end-time revival, and we're just grateful to be here. So help your people to rise up, take their place, and be bold in their faith. Let's take America back and get these laws and regulations and all that lined up with your word, because your word is truth. We believe your word. We will follow your word. We will not follow the laws of men whenever they go against your word, that's for sure. In Jesus' name, amen. So God's taking us back to a land of prosperity so that we can be a blessing to others. And here's what's so cool about that. When we bless others, God actually takes care of our needs. Wouldn't you rather God take care of you than you take care of you? You know, we say things all the time like, I just want to be financially secure. But do you really? Do you really want to put your security in finances that could be here today and gone tomorrow? I don't think that's what we really want. I think we'd rather say, God, I want to be your distributor. You know, just pour it into my life, and I'm going to send it right back out. And I know that while I do that, you're going to take care of me. And you know what? God can do anything with somebody who has that type of attitude. Let me show it to you in Scripture. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he's going to give you everything you need. We can rest assured that God is going to take care of us when we follow his word. Try to do it on your own, and you're going to have to take care of yourself. That's no fun, but put your faith in God, and he's going to take care of every one of your needs. And here's the last thing you need to know about biblical prosperity, and that's the more God blesses us, the more he expects us to bless others. We live in the most prosperous nation of the world. We're over here like spraying grass or water on our lawns to make them look pretty, and then there's other nations that have to carry water on their heads just so they have something to drink, Right? We sit here in an air-conditioned room while the churches we support in the Philippines are open air and exposed to the elements. It's probably real humid over there, and they're probably sweating. 
And I say these things not to make you feel bad, but to make you realize that regardless of what kind of job you have or how much money you make or what's going on here in your life, you live in the most prosperous nation of the world. So you are blessed. And since we are so blessed, God expects us to be a blessing. Luke 12, 48 says, much is required from those whom much is given for their responsibility is greater. So none of this today is to make you feel guilty because here's the deal. God doesn't want us guilty. He wants us responsible. When we finally realize what the more is for, we can move into our purpose of making an eternal difference in the lives of others. So the question remains, how do I experience God's blessing in my life? And I actually want to end today by giving you five practical ways that you can experience prosperity God's way. And I bet you're doing most of these already, but I also bet that one or two of these is going to stand out to you today. And the reason they're standing out to you is because God wants to use these things to push you forward. So listen, write them down and act on them. And here's the first one. I prosper as I put God first. And we talk about this a lot here at No Limits too. And actually we talked about it last week. It's okay for you to have passions and hobbies and for you to love your work, but none of that stuff can come before God. God has to be first. Yes, God wants you to enjoy your life, but he doesn't want the things of life to come before him. He wants to be first. And I think we'd all agree that he deserves that place in our life. After all, he created us and he created everything around us. So he deserves first place. And we all know that putting God first is the best idea that we've ever heard, but we all struggle to do it. So let me just encourage you today to find specific ways to put God first. Like put it in your schedule. And that's why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of every year here at No Limits so we can put God first in our year. And that's also why we have church on the first day of the week so we can put God first in our week. But you also need to find ways to put God first in your day. And it doesn't mean you have to wake up at 5 a.m. and do a two-hour Bible study. Unless that's what you want to do, go ahead. You're going to benefit from it. But to put God first in your day, it doesn't have to look like anybody else. It could be as simple as as soon as you wake up, open your eyes or, and say, God, thank you for another day. Help me to walk out this day according to your plan for my life. Only took 10 seconds, but it was the first 10 seconds and it matters. So find ways to put God first in every area of your life, including your finances. And the Bible actually gives us clear direction on this. Let me show it to you. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Aren't y'all thankful for clear direction? We don't have to wonder what God wants to do with our finances because he just go ahead and tells us. So the first line item on my budget is honor the Lord. I don't wait to see what's left over. I give first, right? And you know, honoring God is a good enough reason in itself to do this. We should honor God. Cool. This is a cool... How do I honor God? Well, now you have one of the ways that you can honor God, but check out the benefit of putting God first in your finances. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, your household's going to have plenty and you're even going to have overflow so that you can impact the lives around you. But don't forget the first instruction. If you want plenty and overflow, it starts by honoring God first with every paycheck, with every income, you honor God first. And I get it. This is really hard to do at first, but it's actually not as hard as you think. And actually, once you get started, you kind of gain this momentum that you don't even, you can't even stop. Like it just keeps going. And get, it's kind of like getting the train rolling down the, tr the tracks. It's, it's hard to get it going. It's a lot of energy those first few times. And then you get the train going and it's just smooth sailing after that. But here's the next one. I prosper as I maintain my integrity. Do whatever it takes to be honest in your finances. If they forgot to add the coffee to your ticket, you tell them about it. If Amazon sent you something that you didn't order, you send it back. 
If you aren't working, get off the clock. Honesty. You probably already know why this is important, but let me show it to you in Scripture. Psalms 84.11 says, The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. So I've talked to people who were just perplexed as to why their finances were in such a mess, only to find out that they cheat on their taxes, or they mooch off of everybody around them, or they borrow money and never pay it back, or they take advantage of their employer. And you think you're getting away with something, but you're reaping what you sow. God's not mad at you. He just can't bless a lie. Let me say that again. God's not mad at you. He just can't bless a lie. So restore your integrity and all those good things that have been held up because you weren't doing what is right are going to be let loose because now you're doing what is right. Just like the scripture said, he's not going to withhold that stuff anymore whenever you do what is right. And someone needed to hear that, but don't let that make you feel guilty. Just let it inspire you to make some changes in your life so God can let that stuff loose and he can push you forward. All right, here's the next one. I prosper as I give intentionally. There's a lot of people who like wait to be moved by emotions before they give. Like, oh, I got to go to a banquet first where I hear lots of sad stories, and then I might give. Or I got to see the sad dogs on the TV commercial, right? And then I might give. And this is a strategy that a lot of nonprofits use to raise money, and it works. It really does work. But emotional giving is not the highest form of giving. Intentional giving is the highest form of giving. So have a plan for your giving. Do it on purpose. Be intentional. God likes this kind of giving. Intentional giving. Let me show you. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower... Man, that's a whole other message right there. When I read that this morning, like for the fourth time, I was like, oh, I didn't see that the first time. Who supplies our seed? God does. Oh, my goodness. But I got to go on. And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Who does God supply seed to? The sower, not the eater. Right? This is a farming parallel because that's something that people back then really understood. They were all farmers. And farmers were intentional with when they sowed, how they sowed, where they sowed. What happens when we give with the same intentionality? Well, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So when you're intentional in your giving, God gives you more to give. Crazy. And that's not even the best part. Your generosity is going to cause others to draw close to God, to give him thanks. And I believe that many people will give their lives to God just because you decided to be intentional about your giving. Super cool. But here's the next one. I prosper as I give generously. And we're not talking about a certain amount. Many people mistake this principle in thinking that the only ones who are given generously are the ones who give bukus of money. But that's not it at all. Generosity is a heart issue. It has to do with your willingness. It means you won't resist it. And you know you've adopted a generous mindset when you have something in your house that you don't need, you find out somebody else needs it, and you just give it to them without thinking about it. And I'm not talking about your clothes with holes in it. I'm talking about the nice stuff that you probably could have sold, but your first inclination is just to give it to them. Or when God moves on your heart to leave a large tip, and you don't even take time to grade how good of a server they were that day, you just give the large tip, and you thank God that you had the means to do it. That's how you know that you've adopted a mindset of generosity. And that's why Jesus said this in Luke 6, 38, give and you will receive a large quantity pressed together, shaken down and running over will be put into your pocket. The standards you use for others will be applied to you. Oh man, 
Some of y'all just realize what's getting in the way of blessing in your life. You've been stingy with others, so that's what you're getting in return. And I get it. You don't even mean to be stingy, but there's just something inside of you that just like, you just can't let loose. You can't let it go. And I actually used to be a stingy person. So I can relate to all of you. You just have that feeling going on on the inside of me. So I can speak from experience. There were several things that the Holy Spirit used to help me like adopt a mindset of generosity, but there's one that stands out to me. And it's when I learned that money is not a limited resource. There's always more where that came from. Let me explain it to you this way. Money is a renewable resource. I spend it on coffee, which enables the coffee shop to hire workers, which enables the workers to buy groceries, which enables the grocery store to pay their light bill. You see what I'm saying? Like it just keeps moving and it keeps getting recycled into a different purpose. And when you open your mind to that principle, it actually takes the brakes off of generosity, which in turn causes you to be prosperous because it's no longer a limited resource in your mind. Some of y'all are going to need to think through that. You're like, hmm. And take time to think through that this week. Money is not a limited resource. All right, I have one more to give you, but let me show you a scripture first. 1 Timothy 6, 17, teach those who are rich in this world, which is everybody in this room, in case you were wondering, not to be proud and not to trust in their money because it's unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Money has this way of seducing us into this false sense of security. We think that as long as we have enough savings, as long as my retirement account is big enough, I'm going to be okay. But it's all lies. Because you could have like this accident tomorrow, which comes and sucks it all away tomorrow. And that's why there's only one place that we can put our trust. There's only one place that we can put our security. There's only one way to prosper God's way. That's I prosper as I stay dependent on God. God, I can't do this on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not skilled enough. I may be good looking, but it's not enough, right? Y'all, it's a journey, especially like as a young man, to realize that you can't do this on your own. It takes a little bit of time to get there, and you spend all this time trying to impress God, trying to impress those around you, and you end up falling flat on your face. Then you spend all your time and energy trying to protect your reputation and, and making people believe in you again, and it's a vicious cycle. And it never ends. You reach a certain point where you, you feel like you've found success on your own, but just to fall flat on your face again and restart the whole process again. Now I have to impress people and get my reputation back. And some people live their entire lives never learning to depend on God. What a frustrating way to live. Man. And I can only imagine how much of an impact they could have made if they simply relied on God instead of trying to rely on themselves all the time. And this is something that we all struggle with. Every person in this room struggles with this. So I want to take some time right now so that we can all repent, just turn away, say, God, I'm sorry for trying to do this on my own, and just submit ourselves to God. God, I want to learn to be dependent on you because I know that you can do this way better than I can. So I want to take a minute right now just for you guys to close your eyes. We'll dim the lights down. And just take a moment to have that conversation with God in your own words and your own thoughts.
Now I'd like to lead all of us in a prayer. Usually I would say this is for people who are coming to know God for the first time. And yes, this prayer is for you too. But this prayer is also for everybody in this room because we all need to learn how to stay dependent on God. And this is probably a prayer that we should say every day. Let's go ahead and repeat this after me. God, I've wasted a lot of time trying to do this on my own. I'm so sorry for trying to do this without you. I need you. I depend on you. I want your name to be glorified, not my name. Help me to see your power working through me. And help me to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God, we thank you for your word and your truth. And we thank you that it's settled into our hearts today and it's going to reap a harvest of generosity in our lives and of prosperity so that we can be equipped to give even more generously in the future. God, your word is so good. Let your word go forth across America. Let the truth go forth across America, not in hatred, but in love. We're not going to be hateful as we proclaim the truth. We're going to spread love as we share the truth. We're going to combine grace with truth. And we're going to see those around us change. And we thank you for your power that's working through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, if you did pray that prayer for the first time at the end, giving your life to God, we want to support you along the journey that's ahead, but we can't support you if we don't know. So we've set up an easy way for you to tell us. You simply text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883. We're not trying to get your number so that we can bug you. We really just want to help you. So go ahead and send that text and we'd love to help you out. Now, you know, one thing that I've never told you guys is how our church makes a difference online. So you, know, you probably noticed that like we, we post messages and, and scriptures on Facebook and to help lead people closer to God. And we also post our messages as a podcast and we're on YouTube as well. And since the pandemic, we live stream our services now. So we just all over them interwebs, right? But let me share some stats with you. This past week, we reached over 3,000 people on Facebook in one week, 3,000 people. That's crazy, isn't it? Last Sunday, we had more people joining us live online than we had joining us here in person. And each month, we have about 130 podcast downloads. So y'all, online is a real way to do ministry here in 2020. And we're just getting started. And your generosity is actually what makes it possible for us to do that, for us to have the equipment that we need to do that, for us to pay the subscriptions that you have to do to do live streaming and all that kind of stuff. Like, you're a part of that through your giving. So every life that is touched online, you are a part of that. It's incredible. So thank you so much for your generosity. If you're ready to give today or you want to give later this week, you simply head to the browser on your phone, your tablet, your computer, type in nolimits.fyi, and then tap the giving button. It'll get you where you need to go. Or if you're here right now, you want to give by cash or check, raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring in an offering envelope. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.